Welcome, fans, to another edition of B-Movie Chats. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And tonight we are here with our good friend D.W. Can of Dark Side Media. Hey, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome, man. Doing really well. So our, uh, our big thing tonight is the, uh, the announcement of a new volume of Lovecraft P.I. Yeah, the new volume's out, or it's, it'll be out uh, this summer, I should say. We're wrapping up. My artists are working on the last 20 to 25 pages. So um, once we go th- through a full editing phase, yeah, we'll be out by you know June or July is what we're aiming for right now. So the man with the badge is back, as they say. This one is a curious case of reanimator. One of the things I wanted to do is I'm a big Herbert West fan, always been. What got me into him is obviously the Stuart Gord movie from 1985 when I saw that at 14. And... You know, going from there and then reading Lovecraft stuff over the years, one of the things I wanted to do is, like, you know, because everybody, every time they do a reanimator story, it's always just bringing back the dead, bringing back the dead. And I was like, okay, you know, that's awesome. But it's just like, you know, he could do more. I mean, in HP's story, he actually does a lot. And when they started talking about reptilian cell structure and so on and so forth in, in the Lovecraft story itself, I figured, well, why not? You know, let's examine that a little bit more. We know he can do, you know, raising the dead, but what's what happens when he starts kind of mixing and matching and stuff like that? And I know they did it in, in some of the movies, uh, but I really wanted to kind of take it into a whole new situation, not just create reanimated parts on reanimated parts, but actually create whole new beings. And um, so with this, I, I had the idea of that, and then I always loved the Call of Cthulhu story, and I figured, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell the entire scope of it in one book, so what I wanted to do is start off with the Legrasse story in uh, New Orleans, and, uh, you know, figure going at 1932 would be a perfect time for that to kind of roll that out. Definitely cool stuff. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, so it's just it's it's basically you know Herbert West doing his you know doing his thing and and uh, I don't want to give too much away but you know he ends up in New Orleans in 1932 uh, kind of on the run from a, a nefarious group that is kind of after him that you you find out through the comic uh, or the graphic novel I should say and uh, our, our character uh, Ward Lovecraft ends up going there uh, because he's uh, been sent a telegram by his old friend uh, Gigi Angel the professor in Call of Cthulhu. So I wanted to kind of, you know, start bridging those characters across. And and, uh, and the other thing you'll learn, uh, as you guys did in the sample, the the idea is that, uh, you know, our character Ward and Professor Angel have experienced a calling once before four years ago. And they didn't quite understand what was going on. You know, they, they put their data together and so on and so forth. And, you know, this is four years later, and now something else is kind of stirring about. And, of course, Herbert is you know, in the middle of it. Yeah, like how Herbert West is kind of like H.P. Lovecraft's arch enemy in this, at least that's the impression I got, right? When people start mentioning reanimating the dead, he goes, I know who this guy is. That was pretty good. Right. Well, 
One of the things that, uh, again, uh, I'll give a little bit away here. It, you know, in the book, we'll find out that um, these two guys actually went to school together back at a very young age and grew up together, uh, went to college together, and actually got into a lot of trouble together. Due to that experience, uh, they were given an option. Either they could serve time in jail or they can be drafted into the war at the time, which is World War One. And so at that point, you know, their friendship kind of fractures. And our character, uh, uh, War Lovecraft, there goes into artillery because he's just like, I'm done with, you know, dealing with this guy. And, you know, because and they, they were both uh, end up going into Arkham University as doctors. Of course, Herbert West, I, I wanted to kind of go again, go back into the H.P. Lovecraft story, but have him uh, do a lot of his escapades with the troops and stuff like that during World War One, And so then that's where everything kind of branches off. And there's a big conflict at that point. And then this is 15 years later. So these guys haven't seen, when this book happens, uh, The Curious Case of Reanimator, they, these guys haven't seen each other in 15 years, and they, they really don't like each other at all. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, you know, that's, that's, to me, been the fun part of it. Because I, I was a big fan of, uh, growing up, a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, you know, his arch nemesis Moriarty was always a fun foil for me. So it's kind of that, that air of that aspect of it. And then, you know, Herbert West to me is always great when he has a foil, you know, to kind of go against. So it's like, why not have, you know, him and Ward have this rivalry that goes on for years. One of the things I wanted to do, since they do have some type of knowledge of each other and have uh, spent time with each other in the past, you know, learning each other's traits, so to speak, to me that's kind of the fun aspect of it, too, is where they haven't seen each other in 15 years, and yet uh, Herbert West has just gone beyond, you know, what him and Ward had actually figured out together, you know. And so that's the great thing now is that, you know, Ward's coming into it, you know, really behind the, the, the eight ball, um, and trying to figure out what the heck he's up to, but also, you know, as a scientist himself or, you know, uh, what he used to do, uh, he's, 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 he's really playing catch up, you know, cause he spent so much time being on the other side of it, just being a, you know, being an investigator. So you said that this will be out sometime early this summer. Our Kickstarter starts uh, May 8th and we'll only going to do about 23 days. So it ends uh, May 30th. And our goal is to have everybody uh, will get a copy of this, uh, whether it's a PDF form or a physical copy, you know, by August. That's what our goal is at this point. You know, we wanted to make sure that when we ran a ca uh, Kickstarter campaign this time that we were well over 80 percent ready to go. And that's where we are right now. So um, I didn't want to have a such a span as what would have happened the last time where we had a three year span of trying to get everything out to everybody because that always causes, you know, a conflict of problems. You know, so for me, it's just w wanted to get the stuff out there. And, and then we have a show May 11th. Uh, we have a one day show in uh, Waltham, Massachusetts. It's a steampunk show, which is a lot of fun. Did it last year. And then we have another show uh, coming up in August. So it's it's nice to have this kind of in the middle. Was there anyone that had like a Lovecraft inspired steampunk attire? Because I think I think that would be pretty cool, like a cosmic horror steampunk look, a steampunk look. You mean in the book or just uh, just, just when you when you went to your steampunk thing, did anyone come up and be like, you know, Lovecraft is my my inspiration for my steampunk look? You know, it's funny. They seem to. I, you know, I got asked to do these steampunk shows because everybody kind of saw the dynamic between the two. And, and so for this issue, you'll you'll see later on there's there's some more aspects of that that are kind of thrown in a little bit. To answer your question, though, at the shows, it's kind of a hodgepodge. 
You know, I mean, it's, you definitely have some Lovecraftian type of ideas. You know, we've got some Tesla ideas. You've got some Wells ideas. I mean, it's everything's kind of a little bit of a mix. And that's what I like about steampunk and, and this kind of whole genre is that it does borrow uh, from everybody a little bit and creates these just kind of really cool and unique pieces of art. I mean, God bless them. People walk around these giant, like, arms that are mechanical and stuff that hang off their bodies and, and you know, whatever, robots attached to them and stuff like that. And I'm like, you, you know. God bless you, walk around the entire day like that. So it's really cool the craftsmanship that these guys put into this stuff uh, during the day and walk around with it. Now, you said you said about um, a lot of Tesla inspiration. Have you seen there's a video game out and all called Tesla versus Lovecraft, where Tesla's no. actually using, like, electric weapons to fight off the Lovecraftian horrors? <laughs> Uh, God damn it! No, I have not. I have not seen that. No, it's a video game. You said? Yeah, I, I've I've not played it. I, I've looked at it. I've seen some of the uh, some of the footage for it. But I just I, I think that would be right up your alley. Ugh. Well, you know, here comes a spoiler alert. Part of the thing with doing this type of research with this book. Now, I spent a couple of years doing some heavy research into Lovecraft's personal life, and I, I've got a lot of books and his letters, and I spend some time. Uh, in Providence, uh, going through his personal stuff in uh, at the library, at the John Hay Library. And so I've learned a lot, and I try to uh, carry that over into the character himself, but also, obviously, you know, evolutionizing him into what, you know, we're kind of going for with our guy. That being said, I haven't read any of the uh, Alan Moore Providence books. I haven't. I try to stay away from anything Lovecraftian. That's along the same vein of what I'm dealing with, only because of the fact that I don't want anything to influence me. And so that being said, I know that there's a lot of Lovecraft, uh, Tesla, and also Poe kind of crossbreeds out there, stories, game. Now, the idea with this this case file is that it's not only just, re, you know, the Curious Case Reanimated, but as I said before, it's the Call of Cthulhu story. So I'm going to have two other volumes after that that each play into that. One will be, the next one is the uh, Wilcox Experiment, and then the other one after that is 20,000 uh, Leagues to Arley. And so that'll wrap up the story itself and then a complete arc. That being said, I, you know, me being, thinking of being clever, in the next book I was like, you know, because the Miskatonics, we haven't really seen any of the Miskatonics, you know, the, the, the group that Ward works for, this, this mystery group. And so when they're in Providence, I was like, you know, I'm going to show, you know, some more of their underground aspects of, you know, hanging out and doing their thing. And I was like, you know, who would be a great cue? You know, because part of what I created with this stuff is that I, I think that the Miskatonics are also like a kind of a James Bondish type of, you know, group as well. And I was like, oh, Tesla would make a great cue, you know? <laughs> so you've really just bummed me out, Corey, by saying that. <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. No, that's awesome, man, because I, I, I do think that he's, you know, with Tesla, I think just when you go through, you just, just Google him and just see what he's created and what we've not even just what he's created, but the stuff that the ideas that he came up with and what we have now brought into the mainstream of uh, modern science is amazing. I mean, this guy was phenomenal. And so for me, like anything in these books is I always try to give credence to any character that I introduce, like whether, you know, whether it's real or or fake. And, you know, with Tesla, I want to do that as well. I mean, I think he's a dope character as a you know real life person. And I, I think he gets short handed in a lot of ways. And I think if, if there's any way to just kind of justify what he had done, I think, you know, introduce him into a Lovecraft world, I think is awesome. Yeah. My, um, my favorite, um, fictional, lo um, Tesla is actually in the, the sequel to Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, 
um, the novel called The Last American Vampire. And okay. uh, he actually goes around hunting vampires with um, the, the main character whose name is escaping me right now. With, n- no, no, Lincoln's actually not, not the main character. But uh, it's the guy who turned Lincoln into a vampire. Spoiler alert, Link, Lincoln's a vampire in that one. Right. And, um, but he actually, like, has this, like, backpack laser beam amplifier gun that he uses to, like, melt a vampire at one point. It's fantastic. Well, oh, they're geez, just staying true awesome. to real life. What was that, Paul? I said they're just they're just staying true to real life. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and it, and it's it, the thing that you'll find out in this book too is that the people that the 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 Cthulhu cult that is, um, you know, on, on the heels of, uh, of Ward and West and all these guys, you, you'll see, you know, how that kind of plays into as well because these guys have their own. I kind of I, I kind of like the fact that they're I've created them as almost cosmic monster hunters, as opposed to just one race Cthulhu. It's like it's a little goes beyond that, you know. So I didn't want to just stifle it to just one thing, you know. So it all kind of makes sense when it does. But when you see it, you'll be like, oh, okay, I see where he's going with that. But I love that idea of being able to throw those types of characters in there, like Tesla and, and you know the crazy stuff he came up with. And if you're liquefying vampires or uh, you know cosmic gods, you know why the hell not. He definitely fits in really well in the universe because he was quite an eccentric guy in life. Having him in this cosmic horror world was just very fitting. Oh, no, I think so, too, 100%. I mean, these guys are all around, you know, about the same time. So it only makes sense. And, and now take the folklore and you take the, you know, the science of it all and you take the kind of the mystery of, the, of, of all these guys and, and just kind of how their whole lives went. And it's just, it, it all lends to just perfect storytelling. You know, even their personal lives. I mean, you know, HP's personal life, you know, Tesla's personal life. I mean, you didn't die a rich guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, both these guys, you know, didn't end their lives very well. But it all it all leads to great storytelling, you know, with everything they've accomplished up until that point. Definitely. I imagine neither one of them would have expected how much fame they'd have. You know, that's one of the things I really love about HP is that, you know, all, all of all the readings I've done of his stuff and in the research I've done and everything, he really was a team player. I mean, you know, whether he'd call, you know, call somebody out, <laughs> you know, in an article, you know, whether he would, you know, help somebody ghostwrite something. I mean, he helped Houdini uh, ghostwrite one of his most famous stories, you know, never took credit for it. I mean, the guy never took credit for a lot of stuff that he did. He wrote, you know, close to seven, supposedly 700,000 letters in his lifetime to people. You know, a lot of these things I read, they're 14 pages. I mean, 14 pages of handwritten letters, man. I mean, Nobody even writes 14 pages of an email to each other anymore. So, I mean, this guy was a pretty prolific character. So to see, like, kind of all that play out in his life and just to see where it's, uh, you know, kind of construct this guy of who he was. It's, it's and, and by the way, he hated technology. You know, he didn't like the telephone, never wanted to use it. You know, so kind of funny to, you know, talk about Tesla and these you know, the things that he created and, and what we're doing with Lovecraft in the story. I've come up with the uh, Curious Case Reanimator from a guy who, you know, would have been happy just living in the 1800s. <laughs> Which, uh, it, it's funny because the first thing that conjures in my mind with him hating technology is, um, I think it's the the Sphinx. I can't remember what the uh, the story is that he writes about the, the guy going into the pyramid um, and finding the Sphinx. The nameless, uh, you know, nameless city. Um and just, you know, talking about the, the guy having a pocket torch or, or a pocket flashlight for those that don't speak proper English. Right. And, um, you know, that was, a, that was a big technological thing of the day to have that small light that you could keep with you. 
Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't just he wasn't just trying to like, you know, burn something from the what whatever he's able to find around him or whatever to keep going. Yeah, and that's the thing is you read his stories, he doesn't have a lot of technology in him at all. I mean, it's all very keen to what he believed in, uh, which was the, you know, before the turn of the century. But I mean, the thing is too is that you know when you read a lot of his letters uh, to some of his other constituents, uh, whether it's Howard or um, Barlow or any of those guys, he was always a team player. He always liked reading other people's work. He always liked getting input of his own work. You know, if somebody changed to some of his work, you know, he would obviously listen and go with it or not. I mean, and he liked the idea of everybody expanding the Cthulhu mythos as well. And I think that's kind of awesome because you don't really have a lot of that anymore with people that are that just kind of that open to let their stuff breathe and let everybody else have kind of a chance at it. And I think especially with the Cthulhu mythos is that there's so much you can do with it. And even... You know, that's why I wanted to explore Herbert West, because I think there was a lot of stuff in his original story of The Reanimator, which I know wasn't necessarily a big story of his time and, and one that he particularly liked. But to me, there's a lot of great little moments in that story that you can kind of just take and, you know, utilize like what I did here. It always kind of seemed like Herbert West was a part of that cosmic horror world, but he's kind of on the fringes of it. He hadn't quite delved into it, but it would have been interesting to see him actually take part in some of that. Well, yeah, and I 100% agree, and I think that's where, you know, as much as I enjoyed the movies, um, were a lot of fun, I think that that's where they kind of just stopped. You know, everything just happened within the town, within the house, within the school, within the university, within this, within that. It's just, and that's what I'm doing here is I wanted to expand that. I wanted to, you know, over the next three books, it's going to be globetrotting all over the world. And, you know, you'll learn more about uh, Herbert West himself and his background, at least in, you know, in the universe that we created you know, which is the same and also different, you know, and, and just kind of expounded on that, you know, because, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, why, why not have him, you know, face the unnameable or why not have him face Cthulhu? Why not have him deal with, you know what I mean? Because he's the perfect guy to do it. And with our story, it's interesting because there's all these other factions that want Cthulhu to rise and he has his own reason and it's not the same as what, you know, who he works for. You know, so it's it's that type of dynamic, too, because I really wanted to give an idea where Herbert is a, to me anyways, he seems an opportunist. His moral compass is kind of all over the place, but he he's always in for himself, and he wants to just expand upon science. And he doesn't give a rat's ass who he does it with, um, and that's kind of how he explored this. Definitely so. cool, because um, in the story and even in the movie, he comes off as a guy who is trying to basically conquer death he's trying to defeat it yes. and so if he was in a world that was death was only one i mean obviously it's the big end ultimate but if there were like actual like beings outside our world like how would he deal with that he'd probably want to conquer it utilize it basically defeat it in some way he would want he would want to master it yeah. exactly and that's how i saw it i'm 100 percent with you i mean i saw it as him you know with death yes he conquered it and I have there's a there's a whole bit that's later on in this book where, you know, him and Ward are talking about that. And he's like, you know, we've got we've got all our answers, you know, from death that we've received. You know, there's there's we've we've exploited that as far as we can go, which I think is hilarious because, you know, you're talking 1932 and these two guys have already gone where they have gone with, you know, reanimating a corpse, you know, and, and understanding it. So, you know, for West to, you know, to realize that and just go beyond that. And now he's creating, you know. Uh, you saw Miss Copetrix, who appears. He created her. You know, she's a character that he was like, you know, I need a lab assistant, somebody I can trust, somebody that can, 
you know, do what I needed to do. And, you know, he created this creature because he needed it. It's his bride of Frankenstein, so to speak. Good thing you Dan know. wasn't there to seduce her away. Good old Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan's not in this. I don't have Dan anywhere in this. <laughs> you know. I know. I know. Dan's always the cock walker. So, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> but that's that was the whole idea, is that I wanted him to be beyond just what he was, which was, you know, uh, I felt stifled into just raising dead things and, gluing shit together and just reanimating that. I mean, to me, it's, 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 let's make it more profound. Yeah. Cause even, even in the original story, he's not a very fleshed out character. It, it focuses more on the other characters. And for Herbert West, it's just experiment, experiment, experiment. So it's nice to hear like a character of a version of him. That's going to be more fleshed out more to him than just, I am experimenting because I am experimenter. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the one thing I noticed in, in the stories, too, is that it starts off with, you know, he's do, they're doing the experiments at the school and then, you know, at the, at the Chapman house and then so on and so forth. And it kind of builds and builds and builds. And ultimately, he just gets, you know, basically abducted by his own, you know, undead critters. And it's like, cool, but he just doesn't go anything beyond that. And I, and I get it. I mean, it's 1800s and, you know, it's it is what it is, you know, so. For me, it's just like, like you said, just being able to have that and then some. And then, you know, and I explain all that, too, and what happens and why he goes that route. I think you guys will have fun with that because it, it, it addresses that whole problem of where he stagnates at just, you know, uh, reanimating the dead. And then he needs a reason why he needs to progress. And and, and, I th- and, and that's one of the things I put in the book is, is that he gives that reason why. It's, it's fucked up. <laughs> but, again, he's an opportunist. And he wants to expand science. So for him, it's like, you know, why can't I figure out what a god thinks or dreams? It's like I've done this other pedestrian type stuff. I've I've created these hybrid critters. I want to know what a god thinks. So he wants to go beyond the wall of sleep? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so. Of course, everybody else wants it for other reasons. (laughs) Well, it's kind of cool. It's got different groups trying to um, accomplish the same goal for different reasons. Well, and, and, and I don't know when the last time you guys read Call of Cthulhu was, but the other, that, that's another short story, too, that the problem is is there's not a lot of information. It's a lot of broad strokes, and there's a lot of, like, I shouldn't say, I don't know if I would say fine information, but there, there's some fine-tuned information in there for as much as HP wanted to give you, and it's just enough, which I love. I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. I think that's, what, that's, to me, what I love, why I love his work the most, because it allows us to do with what I'm doing. You know, goes deep into that stuff, and we can all kind of interpret it the way we think we have. You know, I guess. 